chum. Oh, chum. Hello to the chums out there. Welcome, Internet, to the 50th of the Startup Podcast. That's right, an exciting renumbering tradition. We've counted up all the podcasts that came before, and we have genuinely arrived at the number 50. Unlike Marvel with their strange arbitrary renumbering. It's true. Uh, the chink you heard there was, of course, a celebrating. Uh, now, I was celebrating this milestone with some Dr. Fizz uh, juice, which is not in any way a knockoff of a, a well known branded uh, carbonated beverage. Uh. What's the worst that could happen? Eh? It is indeed. The worst that could happen is I could get the runs. Mm. Uh, I, of course, toasted it with my Doctor Who Raston Warrior Robot, the most perfect killing machine ever devised mug. And I took the traditional cherry coke with uh, Ralph's Doctor Who mug, which is the Cybermans. The Cybermen which say, we proceed towards the destruction of Earth. Uh, I bet they're not proceeding towards the destruction of Earth because they did not succeed. Well, no. Eventually, I destroyed. They might, just, they might just turn up at the end of time and just, you know, kick a rock at it and go, hey! That's what I'd do. I'm Ralph. I'm Andy. Um, it's been two weeks for you, but breaking the fourth wall slightly, it may have been two minutes for us. Yep. I'm still medicated heavily, although not feeling quite as woozy as earlier, having talked for a bit. So hopefully I'll be more compass mentis this time. So uh, obviously uh, a shout out to Hello to Nick Roach. And, and, a special, and a special, special message from silent member of Layers. That was good. That was, was beautiful. Oh, I, I almost got a tear. It's, it's the highlight of the podcast. Because it's been a few episodes since you terrorised us now. Uh, well that's the thing, uh, I, I happen to know what's incoming. Well, that's something to look forward to as we amble, amble like pregnant sheep into this brave new world that is 2013. 2013. And start up going back to conventional numbering. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. So, uh, it's been a while since we've had this special feature on the podcast. This no, term. Not really. We did one during the 12 dubs. Yes, but that was weeks ago for people listening. That was longer for them than it is for us. I'm all You're about me. Destroying the illusion. I'm all about me. For us, that was a wee while ago. For them, that was like a month or so ago. You're just ruining it. You're ruining it, Andy. Am I ruining your special anniversary podcast? You're ruining your special anniversary podcast. This is better. Better than the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who. It's a bold claim. It is a bold claim. We'll see if you come back to kick me in the arse. And if, if, you're, if the only thing you're looking for the 50th anniversary is character buildings, character building stuff, then yeah, it is better. I mean, if it turns out that the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who has Karen Gillan coming back to have a lesbian uh, clinch with um, Penny, then obviously my claim of this being better will be rescinded completely. Or if Michael Jason turns up in any way, shape or form as the Valley of... Where's my fucking Valley of action figure? Or indeed any Valley of merchandise of any kind. Badly, I think if, if Michael Jason even sniffed anywhere near the episode of Doctor Who, uh, just turn the world white. Yeah. Anyway, enough of that crudeness. Um, time for the Turnbull. Don't you? Do no, it's more just that you, have, you still have a busted wing. I'm trying to try to open it. I'm using the action arm. It still works. Right. I've not, I've not even been able to introduce the item. People watching it again. Uh, this is time for the exciting return of the Turnbull Taste Challenge. That's right. 
Also, a crossover with the return of an exciting Liz Easter Sweets Moncelli segment that we had last year. Yep. So, I'll describe what it is, and Andy's going to eat it. Okay. So, Easter Sweets. It's January, but we're going to eat Easter Sweets. Right, because that's what we do. Now, there's an exciting new innovation in the Easter Sweet technology this year, uh, which I feel we should bring to people's attention. Now, it's some Cadbury. It's called the Egg Oom Spoon. Now, what's special about this, firstly, is it's purple. And if you're a male and you've spent any time outside without enough clothing on, you know what the colour purple is. So there you go. Uh, so the egg and spoon. Now, what's special about this product uh, is that it's, 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 it's making my words repeat themselves. Andy, tell them. Okay, I'm going to take over. It's I'm, basically... I'm got eight, so call them all day. <laughs> it's basically a style of, sort of an egg box. Which is unusual for has a sort of cardboardy thing, so and it has basically four eggs to share, and it's, share. Uh, it's, uh, share. it's milk chocolate egg with a fluffy chocolate mousse centre. I'm not sharing that. Spoons aren't suitable for children under three years. Before you proceed, uh, any any confectionery treat which says the word to share on it, I'm sorry, no, <laughs> I want that all for me. None of the sharing pish. Yep, which is why I've got them all in my hands, and you don't. Ho 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 ho! I've got some Hull's extra strong uh, servers here. Uh, if you need your nose or blocked. I'll stick with the chocolate, thank you. Okay. So, as, as Andy unwraps it, he's. Uh, he's basically, it's, like, it's about the size of the old polystyrene tubs that used to hold Big Macs. It is actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. But an egg box, a proper one. And it has two spoons. <laughs> For sharing. Two little purple spoons oh. wrapped in some tape. So let's one tape them. Well, there's your spoon. Right. Thank you very much. I've got one purple spoon there. So uh, you've given me an egg. Now this might be difficult. I've only got one working arm. Right it's there. basically it's in brown wrapping. Yep. So we're we're taking we're taking the wrapping off. This is exciting. It says now basically um, it's molded chocolate, but it's molded as if it's a broken eggshell with. Some, some egg inside. What it slightly looks like is it looks like the tip of a really bad looking gorged penis. <laughs> uh, because if you imagine uh, the way that the, uh, the the shaft, the foreskin shall we say, is sometimes pulled down and the penis in between it, it's popping if, up. If you have jaggy egg, <laughs> edges around your wang, see a doctor. However, it does look like a wang. It doesn't. <laughs> Does it look like a chocolate one? <laughs> it doesn't look like a chocolate <laughs> one. <laughs> Your wine's wrong if it looks like that. Look, I've not had a lot of sleep because I'm in intense okay. pain. So, but it looks like a wine. Anyway, take the. So Andy's now taking his spoon. Um, there's an illustration on the box which tells you that you're supposed to take your spoon, dip it in the bearline bit, and extract the fluffy chocolate mousse center. So basically. Basically, chocolate mousse inside it. Basically, like the stuff inside the Milky Way, mm -hmm. but chocolatey. Mm -hmm. Show me it never a spoon. Mm -hmm. I can't do it because I've only got one working arm. Just need to like a cream egg then. No, I want to use a spoon. Use a spoon, like you're supposed to do. So yeah. the listeners know. You would appear to not be able to use it. <laughs> I'm having some Do you want some help with I've that? I've got it between my legs to try and stabilise I'm it. not helping you, it's there. So, now, I've eaten all the 
Uh-huh. I'll stuff it and I'll now predict they're hungry. <laughs> okay, so you're now eating the, uh, the eggy shell, which is left behind from the vacated insideness of it. Tastes like a Cadbury's Easter egg. Excellent. Which is what you want from an Easter, Easter treat. So you now, you've polished that one off. How, how was it? I'm still having some difficulty. Ah, I've got it, I've got it now. Should have been videoing this because it's comedy gold, folks. Mm. Oh, that's very nice. That's very pleasant. Mm. Mm. I will say, though, is I don't think you would eat all four of them in one go. No, I don't think you would. No, it's quite rich, isn't it? Yeah. That's very good. Now, some people might be listening to this. As if anyone stuck with us from last year. Um, probably thinking, what the F and F and B is January? What do they eat Easter, Easter scoots in January? To which I say, you're wrong. Because I find that my favourite flavour of chocolate is Easter flavour. Because I usually get a mug. Alright, with tat along with it. Or it's a nice. Somehow chocolate is Easter egg shaped tastes better. And there's also the thing of, Easter's only like a, a couple of days, really, and there's yeah. a lot of chocolate to get through. Exactly. I mean, normal people, civilians, they go, huh, Easter eggs, and they just enjoy it over, as you say, a weekend. We meticulously scour the shelves for licensed uh, items of joy. <laughs> I mean, we make Easter last for months. Uh, Easter well, technically starts the minute the first item's on the shelf. It's true, it started to mean Boxing Day. Um, so, last year we found some delights as the Freddo egg, with the, the Freddo toy. Yours was a bit of a window lucker. Well, indeed. Uh, <laughs> uh, the Muppets Easter Egg of Champions. Mm. Yes. That's a marvellous one. So, we'll talk to you who's 50th anniversary this year. It's not a fucking 50th anniversary. I want a better Davros mug this year. I want it. Yes, a better Davros mug. So, over the next few instalments, we'll keep you up to date with all the licensed Easter treats that we can find. We'll tell you what's good, what's not. Mm-hmm. And by what's good, we mean what comes with the best item of. Uh, Random license crap. Or indeed, if we find any more new innovations in Easter uh, chocolate technology such as this. So, all the very best. If you were trailblazing here, mm. blazing a trail through trails. So, we're going to take a break. Not really, but for you we will. Because what we're going to do is we're going to watch a, an episode of classic 70s uh, television series. Starring Joanna Lumley and David McCallum. Mm. And then we're going to come back and we're going to tell you what we think. Irregularities will be handled by the forces controlling each dimension. Transuranic heavy elements may not be used where there is life. Medium atomic weights are available. Gold, lead, copper, jet, diamond, radium, sapphire, silver and steel. Sapphire and steel have been assigned.
We hope you enjoyed whatever it was we made you listen to there. Which would probably be the theme tune to what we've just watched. Not necessarily, it could have been something else. Nah, I'm lazy that way. Don't spoil what they've already heard. Ah, you see, you can spoil what they've already heard in a sort of timey-wimey way. Because we're going to be talking about time. And the evil effects of time. Yes, time's evil. It's true. Um, let's talk briefly about an episode called Sapphire and Steel. A sadly now obscure series, but famous in its time. And probably one of the true definitions of what we call a cult show. I.e. not many people have heard about it these days. But it still has a certain popularity on the tint of and the like. Now, Sapphire and Steel was a British television show in the late 70s, early 80s, which aired on ITV. ITV, for those of you who don't know, was the third channel in Britain. And uh, was split up into various regional networks, regional networks uh, depending on where you stayed in the UK. So if you were in Scotland, you would have STV. Uh, also Grampian. Grampian. And Borders. Borders. That's it. The other ones no. in England. Yeah. Yes. Um, so you would get shows like Sapphire and Steel, which uh, were basically like schedule fillers, really. Um, something to stick on for a while, uh, in between stuff, basically. Uh, shows that generally would not have a lot of money or attention thrown at them. Uh, they were bargain basement productions, uh, not designed to linger on the mind, usually much more than the time it took to show them. Uh, so Sapphire and Steel, I said maybe between 1979 and 1982, uh, it was unusual in that uh, the chap who created it, a writer called P.J. Hammond, actually set out to create something with a bit more substance to it. Uh, because generally, he was of the opinion that uh, television, particularly television aimed at children, because that's what Sapphire and Steel was aimed at, uh, sort of older children up, um, should engage the brain and give you something to, to think about, as well as something to dazzle you and amaze you. So he came up with uh, this TV show. Now, just to introduce, I'll read to you what it says on the back of the current DVD release of it. As much of an idea as you'll ever get, it's still what Sapphire and Steel was about. So it says, Sapphire and Steel have been assigned. Set in a world in which the future and past collide, and time overturns reality, Sapphire and Steel will capture your consciousness and take you to altered states. Yeri, threatening forces are at work, and Sapphire and Steel have been assigned. Only the two time agents, led by Joanna Lumley and David McCallum, can stop the strange events and restore natural order to the natural order to the universe. Tasked with safeguarding the structure of time with a capital T, and that's not a typo, it's actually a plot point. They use their uncanny powers to protect the present from the invading evils of the past and future. And just tells you it was created by and stuff. So general idea uh, was that it was a series of serials. Um, uh, varying length, uh, sometimes four episodes, sometimes up to seven episodes, where your first episode would introduce you to some kind of menace which would involve time itself. And two mysterious agents, the aforementioned Sapphire and Steel, would appear usually about halfway through the first episode, uh, once it's been set up to, to investigate what's going on. The thing that's difficult to explain about Sapphire and Steel is that nothing is ever explained. The first episode, which we've just watched again, tells you as much as you'll ever learn, which is there's a giant corridor which sort of 
we, we can get into it, but it's all around us all the time. And it's, it's called time. It's a thousand million miles long. And at the beginning of time and the end of time, the other creatures would roam up and down the corridor, always looking for a way to escape, uh, to snap things or gain power of some kind, or just to get off the evil ship. Who they are, you'll never quite find out. Why they are, you'll never quite find out. But they're there to get you. And the idea on Sapphire and Steel was that at any time, they can come and get you. Sometimes the supernatural events will be different, sometimes it'll be ghosts. Uh, sometimes the, you'll find there's pictures, and people are kidnapped and drawn into the pictures. Uh, various kind of sinister stuff like that. But the idea basically was that, particularly with the first uh, instalment, you could just be sitting about your house, and you chatting on with dad, and a force from time itself may reach out and grab them. Which is fairly spooky. Uh, now, the format of the show was, as I say, it was as cheap as chips. It was filmed uh, on very cheap film, uh, which actually degraded very quickly. Uh, so you often see with uh, television broadcasts of Sapphire and Steel, it's usually a very poor technical quality. And indeed the VHS release and the first DVD release in the UK um, were workmanlike, shall we say. Uh, especially if you compare it to today's um, super high definition remastered age. Uh, thankfully, uh, network, uh, it's a company which do decent releases of stuff, um, managed to get some decent copies of the episodes and did a lot of a touch-up job to make them at least presentable. But even then, you'll never be able to get away from the fact that it was filmed literally on a budget of five pence and a pack of chips. Um, if you are looking for a series which involves uh, super dazzling special effects, expansive sets, huge casts, lush production values, you don't really get it. Well, you generally don't get that for science fiction in the 70s or 80s anyway. True, but even, even comparing it to, to other shows of its type it is very cheap. Because what it relies on is atmosphere, sound effects, mood lighting, and the kind of weirdness, which, no disrespect to any other country, it's just something the British do well, better than anyone else. Yep. So, obviously I'm a fan uh, of winning... Uh, Hunting the DVD, um, and they had not seen Sapphire and Steel over many a year. True, uh -huh. it's true. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, so we just watched the first episode. In the first episode, uh, it introduces the show. Uh, we are in a house somewhere. Uh, you've got a young girl and a young boy, and uh, they're settled down to go to bed for the night. Uh, the parents are uh, speaking to a little girl who needs a bit of reassurance, so she asks for a nursery ring. Ring a ring of poses. Uh, to be sung to them. Unfortunately, this causes an unseen force from time itself to snatch them away. Uh, the boy who's older, because uh, they're in a remote area, uh, phones out to get one of the, the, the local police to come and investigate. However, the police do not investigate, for David McCallum, who's steel, arrives along with Sapphire, tells them the police aren't coming, we're going to solve your problem, and then basically start to investigate time itself using nursery rhymes as a weapon. It's <laughs> <laughs> a turbo. What's your thoughts? As a first episode, it's, it's an interesting premise. It's the kind of thing that actually would work better in audio mm. uh, or even in book form. On yeah. TV, it lacks because the, the aforementioned budget isn't there for some of it. And I think also 
the music for that didn't work. Pissed off. No, uh, I did feel the music wasn't quite right for it. Ah, I feel good. I think the music works perfectly for it because it's weird. I didn't think it was weird enough. I see. I think I think with Sapphire Steel because it's so strange. If you wall up too much strange on top of it, I think you're going to overdo putting a bit. A little bit, but it's, they aren't really all that strange. It's just that to start with, I'm assuming later on that they become or appear more strange. But at the moment, she she's obviously the friendly one. She's good cop, and yep. he's a bit of a dick. Yes. He's very arch and yeah. focused on solving the problem. There's no empathy really. Very little demonstrated except towards uh, Sapphire. Yeah. None to the actual the boy or the all. Yeah, they are they are essentially two time agents if you like. It's never fully explained where they're from, why they're trying to stop the evil and nefarious stuff, other than some sort of sense of justice that they're trying to sort of they're like police. Uh, you will you're introduced other agents. Gold turns up. He's a big strong chap, and that's basically his thing. He's big and strong, and he punches doors. He's quite cool. Uh, Silver turns up as well. He's a sort of um, showman tech character. He's he's more of a more of a flesh. More taking more of an enjoyment in his job, uh, trying to solve the crimes. They turn up as well, and um, as a rather don't beat anything which he wants for. Yeah. Uh, no, it's it's interesting. But I just think as a as a first episode to really grab, because obviously I like this kind of crazy ass shit, and I'm just kindly disposed to it. But I think as a first episode to kind of grab people in, it's not, there's not enough. Because it's quite obviously the first act oh, yes. of, to go back to our, our to last podcast episode where we talked about Thunderstrike issue one, mm-hmm. it gives you everything mm-hmm. in the first issue with a resolved from a different type of television tradition which you don't really see on British TV at all in terms of news shows, uh, which was the idea is that you would get serials and you would get the full story over the serial and you, it wasn't quite the same as a series where episode one basically sets up the whole thing and then you come back to episode two and does it. The idea was that, and again the audience at the time where you would well, as a new serial star, I watch a new serial, and you get the story bit by bit. So by that token, if you expect an episode one, it sets it all up. You're not going to get it. It's probably something that it works better now in, well, DVD. That you can watch chunk off. Yeah. Because it actually highlights to me how effective on an earthly child the very first Doctor is. Because yes, it's the first episode of serial, yes. but it's also pretty much a complete story. Oh, yeah. As well. You can watch that on its own. You don't have to see it, any of the following. It, it does everything it needs to do. Mm-hmm. This one doesn't. Because of yeah. that, and I think, I think because of that, you don't, and also, your characters are inscrutable and mysterious, mm-hmm. they don't do anything. Really, well, they, they do. They turn up to solve the mystery, they, they give you an idea who they are, and they start solving it using nursery rhymes. They start solving it, that's yes. the key, yes. the start. Yeah, but it's a serial, it's a whole idea, it's supposed to get the story over. Oh, well, I'm, I'm not saying that's the whole point, but no. what I'm saying is that, as a first instalment, you needed a little bit more of them, or a little bit more from them. I would disagree with you. Okay, here's the thing. We're kindly disposed to this, so we'll quite happily go along for the ride. Well, I'll, 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 I'll tell you why I disagree. I'll tell you why I disagree. I'll tell uh, you why you're wrong. No. No, it's a, it's a reason to bitch on. Um, because 
I vaguely heard of Sapphire and Steel, and uh, in a previous job, I was given the VHS of it, and I had absolutely no interest in watching it at all, because I thought it was just a cheap show, the old TV show. I was never really a huge fan of Joanna Lumley, I wasn't interested. So I was duty returned the tape, because I'd had it for a while, and I thought, I've not watched this tape, I may as well give it back to my colleague, I'm not interested. So I'll just stick on an episode the day before, so at least I can tell him I tried it. So I stuck on episode one, and I was absolutely hooked just by the first episode. Because, it, to me, it introduced it had a weird atmosphere to it I'd never seen before. I was intrigued as to who these two characters were and what they were up to. I was intrigued by the idea of time and what was going on and all this kind of business. So, and that was when I wasn't really interested. So there was enough there to make me say, can I keep a load of the tape and watch the rest of it? So I would say it does actually work as an episode. Mm, what I'm saying is we are more disposed to this kind of programme. That's what I'm saying is to yeah. us. I, so I'm, quite, I'm going yeah. to be borrowing this off you to watch the rest of it. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is to, to, um, to basically your civilian, if you will, to, to be horribly snobbish. I don't think it gives enough for anyone who's not quite a... Well, I think... Because remember, I think the kind of argument like, to that is it did get a four-year run, so enough people... It did actually do very well in the ratings back in the day, so it did hook people. It did hook... Otherwise, it would have got one series and died. But again, here's... I can see your point, but it's more... I still... Four years, though. For the budget that yeah. was on, for but again, yeah, you, you could also, perfectly decent. But and also, I think the fact is because it was cheap also helps it. But we can go. Yeah, yeah. I know, but I'm saying we can go around that. Actually, I still think we can all we can all think of shows that that, that tanked on impact. People watched episode one of it. I don't know what's going on, and they went. But well, I, I still think, as I say, there could have been. You don't need to give away everything about them, but in particular. They, they sit and they investigate and find out, and they do start doing it. But all Dave, David McCallum in particular is just a dick throughout. Yeah, but to me, that, that was refreshing. It was a it's, different kind of investigator. But it's more because than. Because by that point as well, David McCallum obviously is new as as man from Uncle Chap. You know, Genie Chap. Pleasant fellow. What's his name? <laughs> Come on! The, the Mantle Uncle Man! There was two of them. The wonder wasn't Robert Vaughn. Who played? David McCallum. Played David McCallum at the you Man You don't know either of their names. It's David McCallum and Robert Vaughn and the, who, they, they were... The who were they? It doesn't matter. It does. It doesn't matter. It bloody well does. Anyway, yeah. so, so to me there, there would have been some intrigue from, oh he's a bit dirt, I want what's going on there. A contra- and it was a contrast from Joanna Lumley's character, who's introduced more, even just in the slight bit there, She's more empathic because she responds to the boy. She makes a point of sitting down and trying to explain to him these weird concepts. She even changes costume for them to make herself seem a bit more human. And also, you know, the idea that the investigators were the form, but we're not exactly quite human. Maybe, maybe not, you don't know. So I like the contrast there. I like that there's a doer one and a nice no, one. No, I'm not saying that that's, that's wrong, but it's more, mm. she does something that yeah. he literally just kind of signpost the plot a little bit in the first, the well, first you, episode. Because you I need, need someone to do that. Yeah, you need someone to do that. But we'd only have one, someone in short skirts doing that, asking the old man. We'd only have, but I, 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 I think it's more no, refreshing. I, I don't like yeah. to see him do something in it. That's he no does do something in it. He, no. d- he does, he starts the whole investigation into the, nur- into the nursery rhyme stuff, tells Sapphire what to do in terms of, you know, we're going to uh, say where the nursery rhyme here is because he's wanting to see 
what the event happened in the room and it brings forth strange creatures from time. I'm sure I'll So he's be... actually more proactive than she is in terms of moving the plot along. He just... So he does do that quite well. You're wrong again, chum. You're I I feel very much that I don't have a problem with them being dire. I mean, they generally are more interesting characters that way. But you get the feeling looking at that, he's not necessary. She could have done I'm sure he says it'll come a little later. No, that's not to me. As an episode one, you need you need two of them because she splits off to explain to the boy what's going on, and he starts to investigate stuff. And it gives you the, the two angles to it. I think just one character, you'd have been like, eh, 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 what? Eh. No, I, I just, I think it needed more of the story of... Uh, well, I said, I, I completely disagree. I feel that was a, a to be honest, I think it was a perfect first episode of a TV show. Because it gave me enough of the premise of the show, it gave me the, the characters, it made me want to watch more. And it was distinctly different. I actually would say that was one of the better first episodes of a British TV show I've seen. And obviously it is, and I had to completely disagree. You can disagree, but you're wrong. No, uh, you're wrong. Because it's the internet. No. <laughs> the internet, everyone would say, everyone else would say, you're wrong! It, it's for me, just I, I think needed something, of, it doesn't need, not effects or all that, but this, if you're not going to give more on him, the story needed to move along a little bit further. I, don't know, I, I, I think fuckton's happened in 25 minutes. From where you start, I was very fast paced compared to some other stuff I've seen. I'm if that was an episode of Lost or something, you would have got the explanation of time as a chord or 20 episodes. Here's out. the thing, I don't watch, watch Lost because it was bolts. Yeah. But I, I'm saying for me personally, yeah. I wanted a, a bit more because I'm intelligent enough and savvy enough and all science fiction of this to have gotten that point very early on mm. and what they're but doing is not aimed at a science fiction audience it's aimed at general audience I'm sure it was but this is why I'm saying for me personally I wanted a bit more mm. but again it just proves you your points are wrong no points are wrong no your points are wrong and not only that but during the intermission despite your protestations you had a second uh, drop of egg I did despite your statements that you know we can eat more than one I won't change my mind I think, I think that explains a lot because peckish you say peckish what pecks Andy what does peck indeed what does peck indeed could it be a guest publication it could be now, now obviously uh, one of our traditions which is an intermittent tradition on this, on this podcast is every now and then we like to find a, a special guest publication the kind of publication that you'll probably never have heard of before or ever even see discussed on the internet. So previously, flashbacks to the past. We had the newspaper from the prison. Yes, we've had uh, the the lethal about genital warts. How to safely inject? Safely inject heroin uh, was a favourite, yeah. and uh, very successful like that. This thing, however, it's a, it's a magazine again. Now, a magazine. Had, yes. Well, before you tell us what the magazine is, because obviously it was Ralph that procured this specialist publication. Where did you procure the specialist publication from? Well. In the UK, there is a, a wide-known chain of uh, supermarkets called Asda, which is part of the Walmart family, for those of you in the US. Okay. Um, if you live in the US or the UK, I have no idea. But if you just imagine a, a giant supermarket chain, uh, Asda. Now, Asda, they do have a magazine selection, uh, not as extensive as you would find perhaps a dedicated newsagent. 
But generally, it's your more popular things like your uh, your your video times. Probably like computer games, magazines, some music Empire stuff, Empire, 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 Empire. So, uh, so I was casually browsing, and in the uh, mag in the film magazine section, we had Empire, SFX, Total Film, Total Film. Was a publication I hadn't seen before. The name of this publication is Your Chickens. Your Chickens. That's right. This is the February. 2013 edition of Your Chickens, which is £3.50 and it's all you need to know about keeping chickens at home and it's now on sale in the USA. That's right, so if you are perhaps a, a listener in the US and, and as you hear us talk about this magazine of magazines and think, huh, I can't get that. You can, dear dear listener, you can. So, so tickled was I by A, the concept, B, the existence and C, seeing it in Asda of your tickets magazine. I plopped in my £3.50 of hard earned cash. In fact, so special was your tickets magazine, it didn't even ring up on the till, and I had to get a, a rather helpful shop assistant to go and uh, assist me so that I could make this purchase of purchases. On the cover, uh, we have a picture of a small child, probably not much older than a toddler, um, holding some chickens. Holding some chickens. And we have some headlines, which are American Hen Keeping, four page special. Keep your birds secure, step-by-step -step guide. Plus, readers' stories and photo gallery. And the Chicken Saviours, British Hen Welfare Trust newsletter, and stressing chickens. All important topics I think you'll find. Now, <coughs> before we discuss... <coughs> excuse me. Uh, before we discuss... Sorry, I'm coughing because I'm medicated and throat strong. Before we discuss uh, your chickens, we'd like to preface this with we are not slagging off the people who make your chickens magazines because... We read comics. We read comics, and, and you know, if you think about it, a specialist magazine about chickens is actually, in its own way, no more or less strange than Doctor Who magazine, which I've been reading every four weeks for the past 20 years. Yeah. So there you go. But we think that people might not be familiar with such publications, so well, we'll just take a turns between, between the two of us here uh, to perhaps pick out some highlights. So, first of all, because uh, Andy has the magazine in his Andy-like hands, uh, Perhaps Mr. Turnbull can pull out what he feels are some of the highlights uh, of uh, your tickets. Well, we know what the highlight is, but we need to leave that till the end. I'll be discussing that, don't you worry. Um, so what do you think? Tell, tell us about what's in this. Well, okay, so the expert advice gives you, again, step-by-step step, keep, about keeping your bird secure. Ask the experts. Advice for chicken keepers by chicken keepers. Healthy hens. Our vet, Victoria Roberts, looks at skin problems. Egg oddities. Egg, egg anomalies explained, plus advice on how to get excellent eggs, and stressing chickens. Yeah, and uh, there's, there's reader stories, a joy to behold, hens join a family menagerie, chick pigs, readers photos of their chickens in the garden, and Lucy's lovely cockerel. <laughs> a special cockerel called Eric. You and your chickens, more reader stories. Chicken crazy, the strange tale of wonky chicken. It's true. My wife in pictures, a hen looks through a photo album. I'm going to go with that because that's just made me angry. <laughs> yeah. Now, now, obviously, the the cut and thrust of this of this magazine is you will not find uh, recipes for the eating of chicken and preparation of chicken. This is all about people who uh, keep chicken for pleasure, uh, who like to breed them for pleasure, display them for pleasure, and eat their eggs for pleasure. There's no eating of the actual chickens here. So, if you are perhaps a, a vegetarian type person, uh, you will find no distressing pictures in here or disturbing stories uh, which would upset you, which is important because, you know, 
plenty of vegetarians out there, nothing wrong with that. I, I will never hold any aspersions towards those who eat twigs and leaves, because, you know, we should leave these people alone. <laughs> so, Andy, have you found uh, that, that section yet? So, I'm going to go and get get annoyed by uh, a hen kind of forum if there's any text or if it's just. Well, it's basically just some owner taking photographs of a chicken and its captions are as if they've been sent by the chicken themselves. Really? Could you give us some of them? Come on, don't tease us with this. Seek. I'm sure that's what the chicken doesn't say. It's a family magazine. At five weeks old, I feathered up nicely. <laughs> Come on, give us another one. I'm redding up, but I'm definitely not a cockerel at just over 13 weeks. <laughs> uh-huh. Give us one more. At 21 weeks, I'm not ready to lay. My comb is small, but I'm a really good flyer. <laughs> but mm. so it's, it's kind of peppered with with that, and obviously lots of adverts for chicken-related merchandise. There is a loft, lofts and there's a puzzle page. Yes, uh, you can try five issues for just five pounds. It's true, and and uh, it's, this is the second year of the magazine. You can get a digital-only subscription. Really. Yep, you can read your chickens on your lap, lap, tablet, laptop, or smartphone. Really? How much? Uh, 17.99 for a year. That's excellent value. Honestly, I got so much joy in this. This £3.50. I took this to work uh, today uh, to show it to people and passed it around the office. Uh, it, uh, it cost some money, man. Um, apparently, I won the prize for most essential team member <laughs> of the day. Uh, which was nice, but and the people thought I was strange and mad and couldn't understand why I bought this magazine. And the more I tried to explain why, the more people started to side away and shuffle nervously. Which yeah, I thought was interesting. So, that, you know. so I'm, gonna, I'm going to read you The Strange Tale of Wonky Chicken. Oh, tell us about The Strange Tale of Wonky Chicken. It's our incubator hatched Polish crested bantams have grown up fast, rather more quickly than the bigger birds hatched by binge. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> <coughs> <coughs> yes. About three months after they arrived, they are a feisty bunch of chickens that look very dull, with two of them obviously having matured and obviously male birds. They are appreciably bigger than others and have grown little wattles under their beaks, and developed rather showy head feathers, eruptions of white plumage that remind me of exploding fireworks. Another telltale sign of males with the first strangulated sounds of crowing from the hen house where they now live. It's been a long time since we transferred them from their wooden nursery box into the outside world. We've done this gradually using one of our chicken enclosures. They could run about the lawn during the day without fear of being carried off by a cat or even a passing hawk. Instinct took over as soon as their feet touched the grass and after some rather bouncy sparring, the birds settled down to scratching, foraging and feeding. Instinct doing the job of a real avian parent and telling them to get on with this. However, only five of the six were enjoying this newfound freedom. One of them was hospitalised in a plastic box in our utility room. Two weeks after they had hatched, I found this bird lying, alive but lying outside his head out of a test angle. That was on a Friday evening, so my wife and I videoed the little creature and called the emergency vet, who, after looking at the footage, diagnosed something called Rhineck, caused either by trampling or a genetic defect. She said the bird would either die quickly or get better slowly. Mm. My wife made sort of chicken orthopaedic bed out of some kitchen towel, a couple of roomy rolls, and a plastic fruit pot into which we put the patient. The following morning, we found it out of bed, standing upright and with his head upside down. 
<laughs> over the next couple of weeks I would put up I would pick up the tiny creature, put a finger against its neck and turn its body. When it made happy cheeping noises I knew it could stand on its own to feed and forage for a few minutes before the head would invert. Drinking was beyond it, so I'd hold the chick upside down over a water dish water dish so its head was the right way up to the to drink. We would jab its beak into the water, then I'd tip it backwards and it would swallow. Living days later the bird whom we'd christened Wonky Chicken was still with us, but still not better. So we went to the vet to decide whether carrying on was cool. One look at her and Wonky was on its feet and trundling around, which was enough to grant a stay of execution. The real breakthrough game when I put Wonky in an outdoor enclosure next to by now to its by now much bigger siblings. Energised by being in the natural light, it swivelled its head the right way round and began foraging. <laughs> Three days later it looked perfectly normal and has been fine ever since. Wonky now shares a henhouse run with a brother and sister, because last week David and Lorna, who are near neighbours of ours, took the other three Polish bands, a trio were now luxuriating in a giant double-decker arc. The idea was we'd be left with a boy and two girls, one of whom would be Wonky. The trouble is that Wonky, a late developer from the start, is suddenly looking very masculine too. Oh. I hope this has continued next issue. I hope so. That was, that was, uh, that was the Chicken Crazy call? That was Chicken Crazy. That was... I, I never dreamed of an inverted head chicken that, that lived before. Uh, so there we go. So or died. Or died. Um, <laughs> yes, indeed. I wish I could invert my head. Now, a couple of three more things I should bring to your attention because we could go on about this quite frankly all day. And, and now, like many magazines, of course, has a photo centerfold spread, <laughs> which is what we like to call the readers' wives uh, section. Uh, of the magazine in the centre pages called Chick Picks. Uh, this month's theme, Chickens in the Garden, uh, where various uh, people have sent in pictures of their chickens doing various crazy stuff. Uh, sometimes the chickens are taking a dust bath in the garden, uh, sometimes they are running around the coop, sometimes enjoying the, the sun, possibly even standing on one leg. Uh, one of them was pecking, another one and neck, uh, and uh, there's another Polish one there, that's always very good. And um, if your uh, picture is chosen as the, the best picture of the chicken uh, that month, you will win £25, uh, which is which is excellent. Uh, so there we go, so, I mean it's it's words describing. Now, talk, uh, there's features here for instance on um, how collecting poultry magazines is a popular pastime. Is it? Uh, it is indeed. Uh, because it says here on page 49 that many old poultry magazines are very collectible. Even more recent magazines are being coming sought after and certain issues can fetch high prices. In many cases, 10 times the original purchase value, especially if a collector requires a certain month to complete their collection. Poultry World is one of the popular older magazines. It was launched in 1907 and published until 1960. It was a very informative and well-written publication, uh, covering every aspect of poultry keeping, with many of these ideas still in use today. And that's what King Collector Teddy uh, Beeb writes to us. Now, I'm not going to slag off Teddy at all, because quite frankly, I'm collecting lots of comics and fanzines and stuff that uh, are not of much interest. Let's now talk about stress and chickens. What do you think are the main causes of stress in chickens, Andy? The impending threat of uh, being eaten by the people that are looking after you. Surprisingly, that is not mentioned here as a cause of stress. Uh, the main causes of stress uh, for your average chicken are predator attacks. What? 
<laughs> yes. I thought it was aliens versus <laughs> versus predator. Uh, you you might think that you could be wrong. Insect infestations, high or low temperatures, breeding issues. The breeding season is another very stressful time. Uh, apparently, uh, they can catch diseases and so on. And mating is an obvious cause of stress due to the vigour and actions of the event. Using a saddle on the females can, in many cases, reduce damage to her back and prevent injury, uh, which reduces the stress level. So that's an insight into the sex legs of chickens there. Um, other uh, stress factors are environmental changes, uh, treatments uh, for uh, keeping their nails nice, that kind of thing. Uh, bathing, travelling, excess noise and uh, shows. Because there's various uh, shows you can take your chickens, your chickens to, uh, which can cause a problem as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's all go. Um, now, this is when I need you to fill for about 30 seconds and put your bloody iPad down while I find an interesting thing that I'm looking for here. No. Talk to the listeners. Talk to them. Hello, listeners. I'm trying to find the bit that I can't find, even though I could find it earlier. What bit would that be? You know the better. Ah! The uh, problem page section. Ask our experts. Oh, experts. Why, why are my hybrids laying? <laughs> Is well, the headline. Yes. Uh, so that's one of the types of questions, but uh, there's other questions like uh, what's the right price for eggs? How do I keep molting hen? Questions about peaking bantams. Advice on showing chickens. Uh, does rooster have to go? And of course, the question of questions, which I'll now ask Andy to see if he can get the good answer. Put your life out Is it Batman? No. You sure? So, the question of the month is, are chickens for me? Says Victoria Burns of Stone Market. I would like no to relation. Ah, I'll take that out. I, I would, sorry. I would like, I would like to keep chickens. <laughs> but don't know where to start. What do I need to consider? Now, before they tell me the answer, what do you think? Whether you actually want to in the first place. Mm -hmm. uh, space. Cost. Well, uh, the, the pros of keeping chickens are uh, you got a supply of fresh eggs, no restrictions of keeping a few birds, cheap to acquire, cheap to maintain, hens are generally quiet, surplus eggs can be sold. Hobby that can pay for the self. Entertaining and educational for children. Good family pets. Well, you should have about that. Mm, I've um, got bullshit on that one. <laughs> I want to take the chicken for a walk. <laughs> Come on, Fergus. Thank you, Fergus. is a good name for a chicken. Um, Still wouldn't put a fucking lead in it and take it for a walk. Or a fly. It doesn't specify if you require lead for chickens. Um, well, they, they can fly. So I would think yes if you're letting it out of your house, otherwise you, you no longer keep chickens, you just have a whole mess in your back garden where the chickens once were. I don't think I've ever seen a chicken fly. Interesting. Um, other pros are garden pest clearance, apparently, source of fertiliser and conservation and rescue opportunities. So that's why you might want to keep the chickens. I don't. What are the reasons against? Messy, expensive. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Simon. Our experts say 
Uh, they can destroy flower beds and lawns if allowed to roam. Uh, Cockerels are noisy. Clauses and deeds may restrict keeping poultry. <laughs> pure, pure breeds may not lay well. <laughs> Look at what that means. Availability of affordable housing and feed. Some pure breed lines are expensive. Uh, they're vulnerable and constant security is, is needed. Local vets may not understand poultry. I don't think anyone other than Dr. Too Little talked to the fucking I would, uh, if, if the vet didn't know, I would call, uh, I would call Feral Play in them. We've been talking about Chicken Magazine for 10 minutes and not one of us has made the Feral gag. The I was hoping that we could have got right to the end of it. Mm -hmm. They're not long lived. Well, just to specify how long. Need daily care, cannot be left if you go on holiday. Poor husbandry attracts sperm. Do a lesson for us all. Tell me where the origin of love rat comes from. <laughs> <laughs> You're a poor husband. You are. I can prove it. Why is that? Honey? Rats. All the rats run about you. Um, <laughs> escapees may get into neighbours' gardens or worse, cause accidents. There you go, so what do you think? Well, I like how, the, how one of the pros was it's cheap, and then it says availability of affordable housing and feed, so no it's not, you're just pulling shit out of your ass. Well, if you disagree, uh, you can you can write in to the experts by emailing their question, emailing your question to yourchickens at archant, A-R-C-H-A-N-T, dot co dot uk. So we could, I think we should come to the grand finale. Off. Here's the grand finale here, which is the expose page inside the mind of the humble hen by Michelle Dunn. And it's called <coughs> What Will It Take to Make You Love Me? And what will it is spelt W A T T L E, as in the bit of anatomy okay. on the chicken that's called. So we'll just read what Michelle's got to say, which uh, has given me more pleasure this week than anything else. At all in the world. I would like to point out Ralph has previously maintained his action and is still okay. It's not Read into that what you, what you want, listeners at home. It's not that kind of pleasure. I've not been whacking off the chicken magazines. I just mean that it's just. It's just. There's nothing <laughs> <laughs> I can say there. You've just perverted my words. You've just twisted them around and put images in, in heads that shouldn't have been there. I, I will now read. The entertaining column by Michelle Dunn. Let's see what she got to say. <laughs> Do chickens celebrate Valentine's Day? No! Of Fuck off! Article over! Of course, it goes on to say, of course they don't, they're chickens. Where we humans mess about with cards, chocolates and squ squishy text messages? Do we? Apparently so. Chickens favour the direct approach. For instance, all it takes to make a hen's knees go wobbly is a lovely set of wattles. Now, you or I may not see much to admire in those bangly red appendages beneath a chicken's beak, but hens love them. And given the choice, they will pick a cockerel with the biggest wattles they can find to fire on their chicks. <laughs> this seems odd. <laughs> A cockerel with a really big, swingy set of 
I'm sorry. I can't tell if I really think swinging set of wattles is actually quite a physical disadvantage. The wattles will slow him down if he needs to escape from predators. They will get in the way when he's trying to eat and provide a big red target for another cockerel to aim at in a scrap. It is, exact, it is exactly this that makes the cockerel so desirable. Any bird which has reached maturity, despite these ridiculous flaps of skin, is clearly a strong, fit bird, and therefore an ideal genetic contributor to a brood of chicks. chicks. Also, as hens pick mates based on the quality of their wattles, any male offspring from a big wattled cockerel stands a good chance of being big wattled himself, and therefore more likely to attract females. In birds, the male is often significantly more ornamental than the female. Peacocks are good examples of this. A cockerel is rather less choosy. All he is looking for on a hen is a full red comb. He doesn't mind if it's a straight comb or a rose comb, but the bigger and redder the bit. The better. You will probably have noticed from, obse from observing your own hens that your best layers have a lovely red comb. Cockerels have also noticed this, which is why they are not bothered by delicate ankles or beautiful eyes. You want a hen that will pop out plenty of healthy eggs. In the wild, a cockerel may only have a few months in which to mate before he is ousted by a bigger cockerel. So he cuts straight to the chase of his mate selection. Is she healthy and laying eggs? Big red comb? Check! Off we go! Not an approach I would recommend any young, budding young Romeos out there. So there you go. Bless you, Michelle Dunn. Bless you. What a fantastic column that was. To end, to end what quite frankly has been the most entertaining magazine I've bought in quite some time. I've learned a lot about chickens. I hope you've learned a lot about chickens. And I think that brings us to the end of our podcast. Yeah, so what will we do to talk about next time? I don't know, but uh, I'm sure we can be egged on to greater things. <laughs> uh, your poultry gags, just not good enough. Uh, can't think of any. <laughs> Anyway, yeah. um, <laughs> as you went reading through the magazine to try and get a, a, a poultry based pun suggestion. Let's move swiftly on. Um, this is the end of the podcast, goodbye. <laughs> oh, well, before we go, what? you tell them where to find us. Well, we didn't do that last time. I know, but we can forgive them for that. You, yeah. you can get Ralph on Twitter when he's not being a miserable cunt on at Stardubbing. Yes. I can be found at, at Andrew E. Turnbull. Both of us can be found at the Stardub website, stardub.com, sorry, star-dub.com, which is also currently hosting the Daily Straxis, which you may remember a couple of months ago said we'd only go on for about two months. Here we are. Indeed. It's still going. Mm. We also can be contacted via the TMUK forum at tmukhub.proboards.com mm. and Full Metal Hero and the Nervous Free Network. Did you know that 70% of the immune system uh, for a chicken is in the intestinal tract? No. Okay, that's it. Very well for now. Bye.
But it's over. It's over. It never ends. Switch it off. Get it off! <laughs> <laughs>